It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Nobody open. Running out of time. Finally throws. And it is gone. Touchdown, This is Moneyline. Welcome to Conference Championship Week. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host in morning, Ben. Have you recovered from Saturday? Oh man, uh, had to get a uh, heart bypass, just like every other <laughs> Auburn fan. Uh, the only type of pass Auburn can complete, apparently. <laughs> um, but you know, we we shouldn't have been in that game. Uh, had a backup quarterback that had one leg, and another quarterback on the sideline with one leg, and then had a kicker that had a leg but was also wider than he was tall. So. That doesn't and help, I was a does backup it? kicker as well. Yeah. So uh, the fact that Auburn made that a game, I'm a, I'm totally happy with. Uh, Should have pulled out the win, but you know what? The money was there for Alabama to be at least a still competitor when they go and face Georgia this week. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, I mean, w- watching that game and all the Auburn fans who upset at the refs, and I, you know, I, I'll say a, a lot of there were a lot of calls late in the game that I did think went Alabama's way, but I think the part of it that people always forget with it is that Saban kind of does that by design. He picks his battles with the ref, and he's really, really smart about it. If you watch him. He really does not yell at the refs most of the game and kind of gets them on his side by doing that. So he starts getting favorable calls late in games by not doing that. Um, I think that's been part of his key to success. But the game didn't come down to the refs. The game came down to Tank Bigsby stepping out of out of bounds and giving Alabama another forty seconds, and and, and I mean you can getting even hear that out of bounds, yeah, yeah, and I mean you can even hear the announcers talking about it. Like you got to go down, dude. Like the the going down is more important than getting any extra yard or two you could possibly manage. Um, yep, and, and that's where I thought Alabama won that game. Is and this is the thing about playing Alabama is they are not. I don't look at them Ben as a super talented team by any means, but. God forbid, if you're their opponent, you make one mistake against them like that late in the game. You give them one just small window of opportunity, they will blow it wide open. And they will I take think they it have and plenty run of and talent. you're done. But yeah, well, they're, I mean, they're definitely talent, one of the best but they're, teams. This is not one of Saban's better teams. No. But in fact, I'd say this is, is the worst team year. he's had in about a decade. Well, right. but Probably. Yeah, and the thing is, is they can still compete. They could still win this thing simply for that very reason. We've watched George, and I mean, we'll get into Georgia and Alabama later. But how many times been have we watched Georgia in big games? And Kirby Smart does something dumb, gives his opponent just a small little window, and then loses the game. Right? It's happened many times. Exactly. And if you ever give Saban that window, you do not recover from it, which is why I think Alabama moving forward, a lot of people are counting them out because they think they're going to lose Saturday. I would not be counting them out just because of Saban and how detail oriented his teams are. They should not win, but I understand where you're coming from. They should not win. No. If we were doing a ranking in terms of like skill and talent, I think you'd have Georgia one, right? I think, I mean, I guess at this point you can make the argument Michigan two, right? Um, I still think Ohio state is up there. They're not going to get into the playoff, but I think you'd maybe say they're three, right? Um, I, I don't know that I necessarily would say that. I'd honestly say Ohio state is more talented than Michigan. Yeah, I would like think that too. Yeah. Michigan the, played a better game, game, but I didn't think that Ohio State was I didn't think they were more talented than Ohio State. No, I don't think so. They had a better running game and yeah. the snow definitely helped. It being in the big house helped. The snow helped. Uh the fact that their defense stood up and their offense as far as the running game was unstoppable, but I don't think they're more talented. I think Ohio state has a very talented, like quarterback wide receiver connection, running game, offensive line, you name it. Yeah. 
Well, what, and defense what, is great too. What will be interesting though, Ben, is let's say this playoff is Georgia mm-hmm. and Michigan and Cincinnati. And then I honestly, I don't know who you put in at four. I mean, people are talking about Oklahoma State. That does if not, Oklahoma State, if they win out, they go in. I can't, and you're right. I can't envision Oklahoma State being in the college football playoff. It does that does not compute <laughs> with my brain. But I mean, let's just say they get him, Ben. You've got four coaches. None of them have a history of really winning big games, right? Yep. I have no idea who would win the thing. I'm, I know it wouldn't be Cincinnati, but I have no idea who would win the thing. <laughs> I think it comes down to Georgia, Michigan. Um, but it could. I mean, depending on where Cincy falls, there's a good chance that if Oklahoma State beats Baylor by like two possessions, they jump Cincy. And so then it's Georgia versus Cincy and Baylor versus or Michigan versus Oklahoma State. At which point that's a toss up game, the Michigan Oklahoma State game. Oh, I would agree. Yeah. So but what, here's what's interesting though, Ben. What if what if Baylor what if they beat Oklahoma State? And Notre Dame. If, and well what if Michigan loses? <laughs> I mean, oh gosh, that's crazy. Well, well then, but have, that's what I'm saying. Both are very plausible to me. And Georgia still beats Bama? Yeah, let Georgia still beat Bama. So you got Georgia number one. I think you put Cincy in at number two then. Right. Notre Dame at number three. Who's your number four? Man, I don't know at that point. Because you're going to have a bunch of two lost teams. Right, so it's either Ohio State <laughs> It's Ole Miss. <laughs> I, I think, I mean, Baylor's ninth. I think if, if they were to win, Michigan loses, um, Bama loses, maybe Baylor gets in. But, man, Baylor jumping from ninth nah. up to fourth, no that's way. a big jump. Baylor's a two-loss team. They are so, a two-loss team. But the reason I think they would have the edge is they'd have the conference championship win that Ohio State wouldn't have and Ole Miss would not have. Yeah. So I think I think they could jump. If they win, I think they jump both of those teams. So the question becomes so wait, how you far go back, down look. would Michigan and Oklahoma State fall? Man. I, I pity the uh, the playoff <laughs> selection committee. If that ben, happens. this is what I'm rooting for. <laughs> I am this weekend. I am the biggest Iowa fan, and I am the biggest Baylor fan, and the biggest Georgia fan, just because I want to see mass confusion. Yep, that it, would be that would be interesting. None I have of no it idea matters, who you put in at number four. None of it matters. Um, yeah, because number four is going to get crushed by Georgia. So, I mean, like, you just get well, – right. it matters money-wise. Because you get an extra game. You get all the payout of that. I don't care about that, Ben. We're well, a show no, I'm just gambling. Saying, Why do I care about money? <laughs> what if uh, What if San Diego State, they're 11-1? They are not jumping from 19 to 4. <laughs> no. Yep. 
No, I mean, the thing is, is if those teams lose, if Michigan loses, Bama loses, Oklahoma State loses, if they all lose, it's a 10-2 and two team getting into playoff. The question becomes, which one? I mean... Now, to me, I would give it to Ohio State. I would, too. Because I... Well, just think of this. Ohio State versus Georgia. The number one offense versus the number one defense. That is That would be huge. I mean, Ratings would be insane. It's the right team to give it to. Yeah. But the the thing is, is it puts the committee in a lose-lose position. You can't, There's no way. All right, if you put Ole Miss in, then all the Bama fans are saying, but we crushed Ole Miss. Right? Yep. If you put Ohio State in, but you don't put Michigan in, then all of the Michigan fans are saying, but we crushed Ohio State. Like... There, there is no, there's not a team you would put into that thing <laughs> that the committee wins. Every single, one, there's going to be at least one or two fan bases completely pissed, no matter who gets what in about, the fourth spot. What about the Pac-12 champion? Say that Oregon, Oregon or Utah. <laughs> Boy, if Utah sneaks into the playoff, I'm going to feel like a genius. I'm going to feel so vindicated you, based on my preseason prediction. Utah's a three-loss team. So that's not happening. No, it's not. It's not. Um, neither is Oregon because they're terrible and they lost to Stanford, a three-loss team or a three-win team. Yep. So they're they're not getting yep. in. Um, I mean, I, I think it's fascinating if those three teams lose. I don't think they all will lose, but I think it's fascinating if they do. Um, it would be utter chaos. Utter chaos. All right. Let's move on and talk about some of these hires because that's what's on everybody's mind, isn't it? Guys, we're the it only is. podcast. Every every other podcast you listen to, you get you you get thirty seconds in and they're already talking about the hires. We get twelve minutes in because we've got that much beef. It's so good. We bring that much meat to the table. Um And I do want to preface to today's show is gonna be different than usual. We are Moneyline, we're a college football gambling show, but let's be honest, we use that avenue to spend time talking about college football. So we're going to give you betting today because that's what we do, but we like to use this to talk about college football. So I want to talk about some of these hires. So let's go through the list of who has been hired. So LSU is now the new coach at, or Brian Kelly is now the new coach at LSU. Lincoln Riley is now the new coach at USC. Brent Pry is now the new coach at um, Virginia Tech. Marcus Freeman, this was just announced about an hour ago, is now the new coach at Notre Dame. We'll go through some of these lesser schools here, uh, like Florida, one of our lesser schools. <laughs> Billy Napier is the coach there. Um, TCU, Sonny Dykes takes over at TCU. He was the head coach at SMU. It's a solid hire. Ken DeBoer um, from Fresno State gets the job at Washington. And Oklahoma is still open, by the way. So still don't know who is going to go fill those shoes. And then, let's see. I think that is, I think that's it, right? Nothing else? That's it thus far. There's still that's a lot it open. Thus far. Yep. Um, coaches that have signed extensions. So these are coaches that you would think probably will not be open for any jobs. Mark Stoops, 
Jeff Halfley, Hugh Freeze, PJ Fleck, Scott Frost. Boy, you win three games at Nebraska. You get an extension now. How uh, <laughs> times have changed, Ben. Well, they they lost by single digits in every single game. They did. They were on the cusp of greatness. They did. Mike Gundy gets an extension, as does James Franklin and Dave Clawson, the head coach at Wake Forest. Ben, any initial thoughts? Uh, it's a coaching carousel, unlike we've seen in a while, and I guess that's what happens after a pandemic year. Um, yeah. Honestly, I expected a couple other... Like, James Franklin getting an extension was interesting. Yeah, Penn State was okay this year. Um, but after last year, it was a little wild. Uh, Hugh Freeze getting an extension and accepting the extension. Like, congratulations, Liberty. He's a hot commodity. I definitely expected him to kind of potentially take a jump somewhere. I think what that spells, Ben, um, A, Liberty's paying him a lot of money because Liberty wants to show we're committed to him. That's part of why they're paying him a lot of money. But I also think I, – I don't think a school like Virginia Tech or one of these upper echelon schools is ready to take the chance on Hugh Freeze yet. And I, I, I do think he's a great coach. I do. I don't care about the past. I mean, he's seems over it. He's admitted to it, whatever. I'm over it. But I don't think these schools are ready to take that on yet. They The optics are just still too fresh. Hmm. Yeah, well, I think he probably moves somewhere else later on because uh, yeah. he's doing well up at, at Liberty. But that was uh, at least interesting for me. I really expected Lane Kiffin to make some moves, and that may still happen. Um, but, you know, if he stays at Ole Miss, then he'll build a good program. He loses Matt Corral, so that's probably going to be a little bit of rebuilding there. A little bit. excellent. But here's the thing about him staying at Ole Miss. One, he's not going to take the job at Miami. My, Miami's terrible. The only job I think he would leave <laughs> Ole Miss for is Oklahoma, and Oklahoma is just simply not going to hire him. And he's kind of in this funk where I think you can kind of see, okay, are you really ever going to do better than eighth in the country with Ole Miss? Probably not, right? But – a big program is not ready to bring him in just yet, right? Like he's kind of in that Hugh Freeze camp, burnt one too many bridges, not ready. Um, but the one thing I will say about him being at Ole Miss is Arch Manning is a 16-year-old recruit. Arch mm. Manning has a connection to Ole Miss. Lane he Kiffin does. just proved with Matt Corral, hey, we may not be LSU, we may not be Alabama, but I sure as hell can develop a quarterback, right? I I think what he has done with Matt Corral may earn him getting Arch Manning, and if he gets Arch Manning, that makes four years at Ole Miss a whole lot more e- a whole lot easier to swallow than if he doesn't have the next quarterback. Yep. I guess spend the uh, the next couple of years getting a really really good offensive line, yeah, and oh, no. uh, some stellar wide receivers, and then pave the way. Yeah, absolutely, um, I do want to talk about this Notre or this Brian Kelly thing because yep. everybody and I do not understand why Brian Kelly is so polarizing. It's never made sense <laughs> to me, but I swear, Ben, I've spent the past five years of my. Hall of Fame level broadcasting career defending Brian Kelly. 
I don't really get why I have to, but I'll do it again. So he takes the job at LSU. Notre Dame fans are pissed, as always. They live, I, maybe it's a Catholic thing. Are we allowed to get into stereotypes here? Is Ian going to get pissed? But they just. Probably, probably not a good idea. <laughs> well, whatever. Listen, he's, they're Irish, they're Catholic, they live in a state of being pissed off. It is what it is. But this idea, so Brian Kelly, he gets this job on, it was Monday night, right? He gets the job on Monday night. And his coaches didn't know, his players didn't know, and he sets up a 7 a.m. team meeting to tell his players. Let's just dissect this and why people are upset about it. So when the story breaks before his coaches and players know, why is that not a big deal? Because Brian Kelly didn't break that story. Brian Kelly did not meet with LSU and then text a reporter, hey, look, I just signed a contract to be the next head coach of LSU. That's not how that works, right? Okay, so there's three possible people that could have leaked this story to the media. Brian Kelly, we know it wasn't him. LSU or Notre Dame. All right, so what would LSU have gained by leaking it to the press? Not really anything. People want to say a head start on recruiting. I really don't think a 10-hour head start is going to do a whole lot of good to anybody. They don't want to piss off their new incoming coach, right? So they aren't the ones who leaked it. Mm -hmm. Notre Dame is the one who leaked this. And here's how you absolutely know that's true. Brian Kelly had that meeting with LSU. He comes out of that meeting. His first phone call was to who? His wife, right? Honey, I got the job. All right. His second phone call is to who, Ben? Notre Dame's Dame's athletic director. Look, I just got another job from LSU. They're paying me X amount of money. I'm going. And at that point, any athletic director has the opportunity to say, well, Brian, Look, we'll pay you X amount of money to say. We'll match whatever they're going to give you. Notre Dame wasn't willing to do it. So, of course, right after that call and right before Brian Kelly gets on a plane, who's leaking that to the press? Notre Dame's athletic director. He's yelling. He's yelling all throughout the athletic department. Exactly. He's the one leaking this story to the press. And if you've ever followed Notre Dame football, you know This is exactly what happened because in the past, the local press in Notre Dame randomly gets upset with Brian Kelly. Why? Because it's coming from the AD. All of it. The AD at Notre Dame University wants everything to look like it's Brian Kelly's fault because then it looks like it's not his fault. Right? So this is coming (laughs) from inside the athletic administration at Notre Dame. In, it is not coming from Brian Kelly. It's not his fault. The second thing is, is let's talk about getting his players to meet at 7 a.m. Oh, darn. They had to get up early. When is 7 a.m. early? Like, Ben, we were talking about this before the show. When was your yeah. earliest class at Auburn? I had 8 a.m.s every single every single semester. As did I. <laughs> I mean, we we all did. Y'all got up early. I was up at 5 a.m. this morning. Anybody complaining about getting up, the, getting kids up for a 7 a.m. meeting, you, you might just want to take a look in the mirror. You're probably about 30 pounds overweight. You probably sleep in a little bit too much. Let's put down the bag of Cheetos. The kids are okay. They're going to get a new coach, Marcus Freeman, who they all know. It's going to be fine. 
Nobody needs to be upset with Brian Kelly. By the way, let's talk about LSU. Ben, I got to tell you, I've been probably, and I've made some major missteps this season with some <laughs> of my predictions, okay? Predicting Iowa State to make the playoff, probably not one of my brighter moments. And picking Oklahoma to run the table, not again, not one of my brighter moments. I thought what we've seen with Georgia this year, that was going to be Oklahoma. But where I've been really, really good, though, I think is with Notre Dame. Yep. Right? To the point where I know it annoys you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. It annoys me because uh, I can't be this good with any other team. But the one thing I told you guys would happen with Notre Dame is they'd be a whole lot better later in the year than early. And that has absolutely been true. The past five games, it's been a completely different season for them. I think what you're going to see with LSU, the first two, three, four games are going to be a little rough. But after that, LSU is going to be rolling. And it would not shock me if either next year or the year after, LSU wins a national championship. USC won't do that. USC is going to take some time. Florida is not going to do that. They will take some time. But Ben, and you follow SEC recruiting, LSU has had some of the best classes in the country for each of the past four years. So the talent that Brian Kelly is inheriting is way better than the talent at Notre Dame. Oh, yeah. Well, LSU has no competition interstate besides maybe what's the next best team? Louisiana Louisiana Lafayette Uh, or Louisiana Tech? No, I'd say Lafayette right now is like the better team, but they just lost their coach. So it's a it's a toss up. So there basically is no other team that you go to. It's it's LSU or you leave the state. So all the talent within the state of Louisiana goes to LSU. Absolutely. And then they also pull from talent from Alabama, from Mississippi, from Texas, Florida, you name it, in that general area. They play all of those teams. LSU is a very talented team and very competitive, regardless of who's the coach. I mean, hell, Coach O came in there and won a national championship. Coach O. Yeah. So very talented group. Absolutely. Um, definitely. De- look, Brian Kelly, as much as I don't like the guy, um, and that's fine that you, that you do and whatnot. But he does one thing very well, and that is get his players prepared for games. Yes. They've always prepared well. Even if they get crushed in a game, it's not because they didn't prepare well. It's just because they were outmatched. And that's happened many times in the in his, like, Notre Dame versus whoever within a, typically it's like Alabama or something like that. And most people get crushed by Alabama, so that's fine. Yeah. Um, I mean... Think about this. So yeah, the talent, the talent level he's going to get at LSU is going to be nothing like what he had at Notre Dame. It'll be like two to five times better. I mean, think think about this. Notre Dame has been in an era where that school has not been as prominent as it was before, simply because the one recruiting edge they had over everybody, which was TV time, they haven't had that edge in about 15 years. Now, they've got the same contract Mm -hmm. with NBC, whatever, but it's not been as big of a deal in the past 15 years because, I mean, I can log on to ESPN3 right now and watch two high school teams, right? So TV time doesn't mean anything. And that's why Notre Dame recruiting hasn't been the same as it was under Lou Holtz. But even in that, given that, Ben, Brian Kelly leaves Notre Dame as the winningest coach in Notre Dame history. 
Like, to me, that's absolutely insane. And, yeah, everybody wants to complain, okay, he lost to Clemson, he lost to Alabama in playoff games, whatever. Those two teams beat a lot of other teams in playoff games. Like, nobody talks about the fact that Michigan State got blown out in playoff games or that Georgia lost playoff games to those two teams or Oklahoma lost playoff games to those two teams, right? Like, Brian Kelly is not the only one losing playoff games to two of the best teams in the past eight years. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's a great hire. Um, let's talk about USC. They get Lincoln Riley. Ben, I, I don't think this is as good of a hire as Brian Kelly, but I think it's exactly what USC needed. A big name that can recruit, and that is an offensive mind, right? Well, I think it's huge, and it's huge for both sides. Because Lincoln Riley gets out of Dodge from Oklahoma joining the SEC. Yep. And USC, who I'd say a decade ago, way back when, uh, I'm forgetting his name, the coach of the Seahawks. Pete Carroll. Yeah, when Pete Carroll was there, thank you. uh, They were basically what Oklahoma is now with churning out amazing quarterbacks. And so Lincoln Riley... Beyond everything else he does, very good coach, great record, fantastic quarterbacks. He knows how to recruit and uh, mold quarterbacks into the best that they can be. They've had multiple Heisman Trophy winners because of that. And they have two very good quarterbacks right now, one of which is going in the transfer portal. Yeah. So, I mean... Yeah, he's he's going to do incredible things back at USC. I think this gives USC they have already the name recognition. They have the money. This gives them the edge to then take over the Pac-12 again. USC is one of the top 3 jobs in the country. Mm-hmm. Right? And if Ben you go back to 2005 in those years when they had Pete Carroll, USC was constantly either the best or the second best team in the country. Like every preseason poll for like a period of six or seven years, it was USC one or number two. And there, there were some years I remember it felt like it was USC versus the field, right? That's just how dominant (laughs) they were. And part of the reason they were so dominant was because, they got all of the kids west of Texas. Like any four and five star recruit west of Texas went to USC. The challenge I think Lincoln Riley is going to have, and he's going to do a hell of a lot better job than Clay Helton did. That's that's for sure. But the challenge <laughs> I think he will have is getting those recruits. It's not like it was been. It was like they were on a mill and just pumping out recruiting class after recruiting class. Well, now the difference is it's nothing for Nick Saban to get on a plane and go to California and still the best quarterback out of California. It's nothing for Dabo Sweeney to get on a plane and go to Nevada or California or Arizona or whatever and steal steal that kid. That's what USC's, that's what Lincoln Riley's challenge is going to be with this is how does he protect his turf? And the one difference he's going to have, and this is part of where Pete Carroll started to struggle, is Pete Carroll, for a good portion of his career at USC, didn't have Oregon competing at this level. 
So now you've got the recruiting culture. A lot of it is kids can go anywhere in the country. They're not just staying in state. And mm-hmm. you've got a team north of you that has Phil Knight money, right, willing to spend it. So they're now recruiting against you. So Lincoln Riley has to position USC to be able to handle the SEC recruiting that's coming into his state, but also be able to push back on some of these Pac-12 teams. And, I mean, Oregon has recruited well there. Utah's recruited kids really well there. Arizona State the past couple of years has done a great job of recruiting there. If Lincoln Riley can do that, though, and if he can get those kids going back to USC, I just dropped my mic. If he can get kids going back to USC, I do think you're going to see USC become a version of the program it once was. Agreed. I, I think he's the right guy to make that happen. It was um, a splash hire. I think, yeah, Brian they Kelly's needed a, a great splash coach. Hire, though. Yeah, but I'd, I'd say if you're trying to rank between Brian Kelly to LSU and Lincoln Riley to USC, I would say Lincoln Riley to USC is the more name-driven hire there. Because people forget about Brian Kelly, and he's polarizing. Everyone loves Lincoln Riley. Well, Lincoln Riley is definitely going to be the more popular hire. Um, I think the more successful one will be Brian Kelly. The other thing I think... There's a lot less cleanup at LSU, if we're being honest. Well, here's the other thing, and this is really what I think it comes down to. LSU is more committed to win than USC is. They, They just are. They're more committed. In USC, they're, they're, listen, they're going to be aggressive. But the thing about USC is their priorities are their boosters want to have more of a say than the coach. Their boosters want to mm. have a say in everything the coach does. And, Ben, you've seen this with Auburn the past couple of years, right? Yep. Like, there are boosters who want to have a say in who's starting, which recruits are coming in, where the coach is going to recruit, how the game plan is being put together, yada, yada, yada. And USC is very much like that. LSU doesn't care. LSU's just like, listen, we'll we'll pay you whatever as long as you can just beat Bama, beat Georgia, beat Auburn, beat Ole Miss. We'll give you whatever it takes to do that. You run the team however you want. I mean, freaking bring back, you know, the wishbone formation. If we win, we don't care, right? And and that's <laughs> I think what it takes, and that's why I'm more jazzed about this Brian Kelly hire. He didn't have that at Notre Dame, and he was incredibly successful. So now he goes over to a team with better recruits, with a more commitment to win. I think he's going to do really well. Lincoln Riley leaves Oklahoma, a place that had great recruits. I don't know that you're going to necessarily get better recruits at USC, right? So he had great recruits there. He had a school committed to winning. And so now he goes to USC. Granted, the one edge, the competition will not be nearly as fierce as what Oklahoma is going into. So that's going to be a lot easier. But I think he loses a good bit of that. We'll do whatever it takes. We'll surrender to you as long as we win. Um, let's talk about another head coaching hire. Brent Pry goes to Virginia Tech. Ben, you didn't think this was as good of a hire. I like the hire. I'm going to give you my reason in a second, but your initial thoughts on this one. Yeah, I just wanted Shane Beamer there, man. I want baby Beamer to go home. He probably will, maybe, at some point in time. 
Uh, I know he's happy at South Carolina, and South Carolina did beat Auburn. So, I mean, they are going to a bowl game. They're they're 6-6. Six and six. They got absolutely crushed by a bad Clemson team. But, you know, whatever. They're going bowling. Um, if, if I'm thinking about Virginia Tech... I'm not going defense, and that's why I wasn't like thrilled with the hire. Uh, however, there's a lot of work that needs to be done at Virginia Tech, and it needs to start with recruiting. Um, and it doesn't take a beamer to do that. It just takes like focusing on your backyard and then expanding versus vice versa. So, uh, you know what? Maybe a defensive coordinator from Penn State can do that. I don't know much about the guy. Um, I know Auburn played Penn State this year, and that defense was very good. So uh, that should be good. Um, Beamer ball was special teams and more offensive, though. I know they had a great defense, but the defense was the the dude with the pail or whatever. Yeah, uh, Bud Foster. Um, Bud Foster, yeah. I, I think this is a great hire. And the the biggest reason why, to me, this is a slam dunk for Virginia Tech is from a recruiting standpoint. Virginia Tech has struggled ever, really ever since Frank Beamer's last two years to mm-hmm. win the state of Virginia in recruiting. And yeah, I talked and about huge. this last week um, on the podcast. So the teams they're losing in state recruiting to are Ohio State, UNC, and one other school. Penn State. And Penn State, honestly, they rank number one in terms of recruiting in the state of Virginia over the past five years. Well, you want to know a big reason for that? Brent Pry. So now they just brought in their number one competition for winning in-state recruits. This was a message from Whit Babcock to his fan base of, hey, we are not going to go and steal backups from Texas and Oklahoma anymore. We're done with that life. We're going to go back to winning the state of Virginia and recruiting. And that's where we're going to find our wins. And that's why they hired Brent Pry. The X's and O's, listen, we can debate that all day. It's fine. I get it. But they made this hire purely for the recruiting. Now, the one thing I will say about the X's and O's, Penn State's defense ranked sixth in the country in a year where Penn State really wasn't very good for the second half of the year. So even when they haven't been playing very good, the defense has still been elite. And I think if you're Virginia Tech, you're looking around at UNC, who's got an explosive offense, Pitt, who has an explosive offense, and Miami, who just explodes one way or the other at times, you need a good defense. Right, It's the one area the rest of the teams in your division really haven't focused on. So if you can get a good defensive mind, listen, Pat Narduzzi, Pitt's coach, he's not going to know what to do with it. He does not do well against smart defensive coaches. He does well against rinky-dink defensive coaches that rank like 100th in the country, and then he can score 56 points, not definitely not talking about Duke to name any names. But <laughs> where Narduzzi and Pitt will struggle is against a team like Virginia Tech. So I think Virginia Tech won the recruiting battle with this hire, and I think they just won the Coastal Division in the ACC. This, to me, is a home run hire for Virginia Tech. I think it's a great one. Interesting. I did not realize Penn State was uh, the top recruiting 
uh, college out of the state of Virginia. So you're right. That is huge. Yeah. Um, I am excited about that one. Now, announced about an hour ago, Marcus Freeman. He was the defensive coordinator for Notre Dame. He has now been hired as the head coach of Notre Dame. Ben, I... I kind of like this one as well. This one is certainly not splashy. Now, Notre Dame's defense, they didn't rank 6th in the country, but they ranked 12th in the country. It's a very, very good defense. That um, explosive Cincinnati offense we've seen all year only put up 17 on them. You know, I think this is a solid hire for Notre Dame. The one piece of news that broke literally two hours ago, so this news broke an hour ago, this other news broke two hours ago, is that Notre Dame was going to wait for Luke Fickle to coach his playoff games before trying to make that hire. And, (laughs) of course, they're not waiting on Luke Fickle. I think that's who they wanted. I think they looked at it and said, well, I mean, we could be going into January before we can bring him in and we've got recruiting to do, so this is who we have to hire. And I think sometimes when you make a hire because you have to hire the guy, that's not as good as hiring a guy because that's the guy you wanted. That's my one concern with it. Yeah, the thing that I see about this is if you hire in-house, you don't have to make a lot of changes. And we don't have to make a lot of changes. You don't have recruits that just completely back out um, and decommit immediately because maybe people wanted to go play for Brian Kelly, but I don't think the draw for Notre Dame was necessarily Brian Kelly. So if you can keep the coaches all contained for the most part, besides just your head coach and keep some consistency kind of across the program it it makes sense especially if you have good people that you know that can handle the job and would have gotten a head coaching job somewhere else anyway well i don't think notre dame has to worry about recruits going to lsu because none of them are good enough to play there well (laughs) on one hand maybe i don't think they're going to lsu i'm just saying like you saw right you saw when lincoln riley left oklahoma like half of their recruiting class was like peace Right. No, you you are absolutely right on that. Now, part of that is Lincoln Riley's bringing those kids to USC. Um, <laughs> you, you know, my my favorite um, my favorite part of all of the coach hiring mess is the Oklahoma message board where somebody proposed a theory that Lincoln Riley could be arrested for using um, state assets for his own personal gain. <laughs> like, guys. <laughs> It's my favorite rabbit hole of the year so far. I, I hope we have more message board rabbit holes. That needs to be a segment is college message board rabbit hole. Um, like every week we should have a new one, but that was the one I found. This we, we're adding it next year. Yeah, there you go. Um, so the last hire we got to talk about, then we're going to get to these games coming up this weekend. Billy Napier goes to Florida. He was the coach at Louisiana. Ben, I, I actually think it's a good hire. I don't think it's a great slam dunk hire. I think it's a good hire. I think the funny thing with this is all of the Florida fans who thought they were poking fun at the LSU team by making this hire saying, look, we got the guy from the state of Louisiana that you really wanted. Florida got him. Florida's boss. Awesome. Whatever. 
And then LSU goes and gets the coach of Notre Dame. And it's like, yeah, you can have your little Louisiana Lafayette coach. We're going to go get Brian Kelly, right? Um, <laughs> but I do think Billy Napier can win some games. My only thing with this is Florida's expectations. And I totally get being upset with Dan Mullen after this past year. I didn't think Florida would be great. I didn't think they would be this bad, Ben, and they've been bad. You can't get into a battle with, what was it, Samford they played? And, like, Samford yep. put up 56 on them like or something. You can't 70 do to that. 56. Yeah, you can't do that. But at the same time, Dan Mullen was, I mean, go back to when he was hired from Mississippi State. He was this hot coach who had just won a bunch of games, very similar to Billy Napier, kind of matches at Florida style, yada, yada, yada. And everybody thought Dan Mullen was going to be the team to lead Florida back into the playoff. And really, Dan Mullen wasn't that much better than Jim McElwain. They were about at the same at the end, right? So the question becomes, and I don't think Jim McElwain was that bad of a coach. So the question becomes for Florida, are you willing to let Billy Napier actually build a program or are we going to get three years into this puppy? You have one off season and then you run him out of town. Because if you do that, I think you're getting into this vicious cycle of coach comes in. He's good because we've got some experience on the team. Then he has a rebuilding year. And we run him out of town. Yep. And it very well could turn into that. Um, I don't think Billy Napier was on my radar for the university of Florida, but also I don't care about the university of Florida. So, I mean, they can hire whoever they want. I think he deserves an opportunity to coach at a, a major program. And, you know, UF is the one that came knocking. Uh, he did great at Louisiana Lafayette for a program that is very small. Um, he had fantastic recruits. He beat big teams uh, he did very well, especially over the, like the past couple of years. Will he be able to do that at Florida? The political atmosphere at Florida is very different. And will he have the control? I don't know. Um, he'll have a ton of talent, that's for sure. And the East is a lot easier to play in than the West when it comes to the SEC. Your biggest competition is going to be that Georgia game. Yeah, And they do play LSU every year. So, I mean, that's why they were having that little fun tiff. Um, there was a rivalry. So, he could have a very good career at Florida, or it could be, you know, a couple years in, people are calling for his head. So, uh, I, I, I don't know. I can't say. <laughs> Either way. Uh, here's so here's the question: Who does Oklahoma go and hire now? It's a great question. Um, I think you could pull from anyone. Uh, it's a premier job, it is. and it is loaded with talent. My now, I I don't know if this happens. I would say it's my prediction, except he just signed an extension. Um, I think if Oklahoma wants him, the extension's not going to mean anything, though. But I would keep a sharp eye on Mark Stoops, the coach at Kentucky. Mm. Um, Mark Stoops, uh, uh, listen, and I've I've got a cousin who's a Kentucky fan. He was really scared Mark Stoops was going to take the Florida job 
Scared also he was going to take the LSU job. He didn't get either one of those. I think he could get the Oklahoma job. And the thing is, is if Oklahoma is even a little bit interested, and if Mark Stoops is even a little bit interested, the person who's going to make it happen is Bob Stoops, right? Yep. And Bob Stoops is there right now getting paid a quarter of a million dollars to coach in a bowl game. And the weird (laughs) thing is, is Bob Stoops is recruiting for Oklahoma. Like, I don't know if you've seen this, Ben. He literally has been out on the recruiting trail this week. I mean, he's a big name who led their program for a decade or something like that. So it's just like uh, who, who kept filling in for Wisconsin? That guy. Alvarez? Um, maybe. I, I don't remember his name, but I know Auburn played him twice in bowl games and we lost him both times. That guy did the same type of deal. He coached for there for a long time. He'd fill in whenever they needed it. Uh, and Wisconsin did well. So it's it's kind of the uh, you know big game Bob uh, always comes back <laughs> for, for, for Oklahoma whenever oh, they call Oh, man, him. Ben. Oklahoma and Auburn in a ball game. I've I've done that already, and that was not fun. I know. We went to the I Sugar Bowl a couple again. years ago. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That, let's. That'd be a slaughter. It probably would be. Well, I don't know. It. Well, we held Alabama to their own. It, it depends on we if gotta, your quarterback gotta figure has some both stuff his feet. Out. Yeah. It depends on if yeah. your quarterback has both his feet. All right, let's well, get Auburn's this. hiring a new offensive coordinator, <laughs> so uh, we'll have to talk about that at some point in time. Let's get to some of these games. So, Ben, Oregon, uh, Utah, Pac-12 championship game from Las Vegas, Nevada. Utah is a three-point favorite. Who you got? Yep, so uh, I'm taking Utah on this. They absolutely crushed Oregon when they played. Granted, that was a couple weeks ago, and that was in Utah. So uh, a little bit different of an atmosphere here for the Pac-12 championship game. But I just think Utah's a more talented team. And Oregon doesn't know how to manage the clock. And if they get in a hole quick, then uh, I don't think they're fighting back. So I've got Utah covering this, and i got $10 on that bad boy. i tell you what a good idea for Oklahoma Kyle Whittingham, the coach at Utah, that would be a slam dunk hire. Mm. Um, get listen, guy brought Utah. Lincoln Riley that, would be happy about that too. Oh well, yeah, he would be. But guy <laughs> brought. I mean, think about it too. Utah, when he was there, Utah went from the Mountain West to the Pac-12. So you think he knows a little bit about changing a conference and upgrading? Like mm-hmm. he absolutely knows, but. This is a Utah team that was not a big deal when he got there. Now they're consistently a top 20 program. It, to me, that'd be a great hire. Now, as far as this game goes, Utah minus three, I'd be very careful about this line. Okay. And the reason I would be very careful now, a couple of weeks ago when they played, I actually loved Utah. I said it was my pick of the week. I put like half my budget on it, like loved Utah. And I was right problem is is Utah blew out Oregon and I don't like it when good teams get blown out saying it's going to happen a second time like do you realize how difficult it is to beat a really talented team twice especially when you blew them out the first time it's a very difficult thing to do and what a lot of people are saying is they're saying well Utah blew them out for a reason well maybe that's true 
But Vegas is telling you Utah is only going to be favored by three. So if Vegas watched that game where Oregon got their tail whipped and it's telling you, yeah, Utah's still only a three-point favorite, it's actually telling you that Vegas likes Oregon in this game. So I'm going to go with Oregon. I think they're going to go into Las Vegas, and I think they're going to upset Utah in the Pac-12 championship game. Give me Oregon (laughs) 31-25. Love it. There hey, we're go. picking all the same games this week, like we did last year. Yeah, so, we, we uh, are. Um, and we're going to have you, a champion of championship week. Yes, yes, we are. And I, I'll tell you one thing about that game. I felt really confident about Utah over Oregon. I don't feel as confident with Oregon over Utah. I, I would stay away from this game completely, just because I don't like the optics of it. But if you're going to bet it, I do like Oregon. Okay. All right. Big 12 championship, Baylor, Oklahoma State. This thing is going to be played in Arlington, Texas at AT AT&T Stadium. The line, Oklahoma State minus five and a half. Ben, playoff chances on the line. Your thoughts? Yeah. So uh, typically when you talk about Big 12 teams, you're not talking about defensive stats. Uh, But Oklahoma State, besides having a really – really good to decent offense their defense is ranked number four in points allowed number four in yards per play allowed uh and number five in both passing yards and rushing yards so that's what baylor's up against here um they're favored by six and a half i think they win by a touchdown i really like oklahoma state in this uh really been a mike gundy fan for a long time and I think the Cowboys get it done. They make it into the playoff. Got them covering uh, covering by a touchdown plus. Can we just say something about Oklahoma State? They started off the year, their first two games, they beat Missouri State by seven. Not Missouri, Missouri State by seven. And then they beat Tulsa by five. And that team is competing for an opportunity to play in the college football playoff. Um, <laughs> whatever. Tulsa wasn't a bad team this year. No. They played all. a lot of people close. They were basically um, Nebraska. Here's my thought on this game. Oklahoma State minus five and a half. I like Baylor in this game a lot. So <laughs> much so that I will pick Baylor to win this one outright. Here's, here's why. Oklahoma State is coming off of a big emotional win against Oklahoma where they finally beat Oklahoma. It hadn't happened in a long time in Stillwater. They finally beat Oklahoma and to top all of that off, they now know what's this game, what's riding on this game, an opportunity that kind of came out of nowhere for them to actually have a chance at getting into the playoff. This was not on their schedule three, four weeks ago. This wasn't an option for them three to four weeks ago. And now all of a sudden you look at it and it's like, these guys could legitimately be there, right? I just think that's way too much emotion for a team that really hasn't proven us to the point that they're talented enough to be there. And Oklahoma, I mean, let's face it, they beat Oklahoma last week. Oklahoma actually had them down a good portion of that game. Um, And I know Oklahoma State got the win, but Oklahoma's not been a very good team all year. So I don't even think that's a great win. Now, Baylor, 
let's face it with Baylor. They go they went at Oklahoma State earlier in the year, only lost that game by ten points. That was at Oklahoma State. Their only other loss is at TCU. That was by two. When they lose, it's not by a lot. They've got some really good wins against Oklahoma and against Iowa State um, and against a Texas team that was hungry. They also crushed a West Virginia team um, earlier in the year. I think Baylor goes into Oklahoma State, and I think it's a defensive battle much more than people are predicting. I'm going to take Baylor to win it 27-24. Interesting. Yeah, look, uh, with the game earlier in the year where Oklahoma State beat Baylor by 10, you give Oklahoma State a three-point advantage based on being at home. They still win by a touchdown. I still feel good about taking Oklahoma State to win this game by 7-plus. That That is a good point, absolutely. Um, it won't happen, but it's a good point. <laughs> so there you go. That, that by the way, is um, my favorite pick of the week. Mm. Okay. I uh I had five dollars on that one. Okay. I know you're doing twenty across I take, the board. I take it back. It's my it's my second favorite. Um, I've got I, one other I, I like more. We'll get to that one in a little bit. Um, okay. But that's my second favorite. All right. This Sounds next good. one, SEC championship, Georgia Bama. The line is Georgia minus six and a half. Now I bet on this game on Sunday. The line was Georgia minus six. Ben, we're recording this on Wednesday. I think by the time we get to Friday, the line will probably be Georgia minus eight. So given that, what do you think about this game? I think Georgia beats Alabama by 20 points. Woo, doggy. <laughs> look look here. Uh, it'll, be, it'll be a defensive battle. Um, But the thing is, because I've still, I've got the under on this too. And the under is like fifty points, so it'll be uh, it'll be more of a defensive battle than people are expecting. But Georgia, with their number one defense and their run game, is going to make Alabama look silly. And that does not happen often. But Alabama right now are dealing with injuries; they are struggling in games. Uh, they are coming into this with a chance to make the playoff, but it's a long chance. And yeah, never never bet against Nick Saban. But in this case, Georgia, as far as talent, as far as healthiness, as far as just the momentum behind them, this does not feel like any Georgia team we've ever seen. So I think Georgia just crushes Alabama. I love this line. Uh, I've got 70 bucks on this one from my hundred. Wow. 70 so, bucks. Did did fifty a couple weeks ago on Michigan, and that paid paid out well. This is my pick of the week. Uh, love the line. Based on me watching a lot of SEC football, um, Georgia will crush Alabama, and it will be great. Whew. Taking them to the woodshed. Um, yeah, I got I got to tell you. So I bet on Georgia to open up this game. Um, and actually, it looks like it opened up at four, and I got Georgia minus six, so I did not get them at four. Um, right now, the line is minus six and a half. So, Ben, eighty-one percent of the bets to this point are on the Georgia Bulldogs. Eighty-one <laughs> percent—that is 
a staggering number that 81% of people are betting against Nick Saban. Um, I got to tell you, I would 100% stay away from this game. Here's the reason. Everything that you can look at on paper, on film, every freaking data point you can see points to Georgia winning this game by what Ben said, somewhere between 14 to 20 points. The problem is Kirby Smart's never beaten Nick Saban. The problem is Georgia has a history of getting into these games and not performing and something falls apart and all of a sudden you've got quarterbacks throwing interceptions, you've got dumb mistakes by Kirby Smart, whatever the case may be. And Nick Saban takes advantage of all of that stuff. Um, I, I do worry, though, about what Ben said with the injuries. And I think if Georgia starts off hot, Alabama's just not going to be able to get back in the game. So Alabama has to really control the pace the first quarter and a half to really have a chance. Now, if they do that, which I think is extremely feasible, I think Alabama's going to cover. And it's a lot of points to be given Nick Saban. That said, I like Georgia to win it, so I would take them minus the six and a half. I think they win this one, Ben, 38 to 30. Finally, we agree on something. I, I know it. All right. Let's go to the American Athletic Conference Championship game, which I will not be watching. But Houston plays Cincinnati. I might actually watch it. Cincinnati yeah, is a 10.5-point favorite against Houston. Ben. Yeah. So, uh, look, Houston is going to be the best team that since he has played all year. Uh, Cincinnati has taken care of business. They beat your precious Notre Dame. Hey. And uh, that game wasn't even close. Uh, Since he has the second uh, ranked total scoring defense for points allowed, the third ranked yards per play allowed, third ranked passing yards allowed. And they're going up against a pretty good passing offense and scoring offense within Houston. So this should be a very good game. Uh, I think that based on the trajectory of Cincinnati over the past couple weeks, they're finally clicking on all cylinders. There was a handful of weeks there where Cincinnati was beating teams, but they weren't blowing teams out. Luke Fickle and the team have got everything together, and I think they go into this one. Even though everyone's saying it'll be close, and Houston is good enough to make it close, Cincinnati takes care of business, they win handily, and I'm taking Cincy with the points. Yeah, this is another one I would probably stay away from because we've seen Cincinnati struggle with Tulsa. We've seen so many teams just randomly struggle with Tulsa. But I'm saying you, they're the Nebraska, the Nebraska, the non-Power 5. Something. Uh, We've seen Cincinnati struggle with Navy, who's terrible. Right. Um, But we've also seen Cincinnati go to Notre Dame and win by 11. That's more than 10 and a half. We've seen Cincinnati go to Indiana, win by 14. That's more than 10 and a half. So they've won games 
on the road by more than 10 and a half. And the thing is, is this game is actually at home. So like Ben said, you typically would have a three-point edge. I think in this one, because of the magnitude of the game, you could give Cincinnati a four-point home edge. Vegas is telling you on a neutral site, Cincinnati would be a six-and-a-half-point favorite. So if that was the number, would you bet Cincinnati or would you bet Houston? I would bet Cincy. I would bet Cincy. I think they win this one. I it's gonna be a weird game, Ben. I'm gonna go 37-24 Cincinnati wins, but I I would really recommend staying away from this game. I just think that number feels right on the money. Yeah, I think it's very close. Uh but I love Cincy's kind of momentum right now. And uh what's the number of what's the betting percentage on Cincy? I know it's like 82% chance of winning based on uh, ESPN's right now, uh, FBI. Believe it or not, 75% of the bets are on Houston. Really? Yeah. Well, you know what? Don't doubt on Desmond Ritter. That's a good so, point. Uh, <laughs> That's a great point. All right. He, he may be one of the best quarterbacks in the draft this year. Very well could be. Uh, let's get to our last game. Michigan goes to Iowa. Michigan, well, they don't go to Iowa. Let me back up. The Big Ten <laughs> Championship is in Indianapolis. Michigan and Iowa will play. Michigan is an 11-point favorite in this one, Ben. Who do you like? Yeah, so until this past weekend, it was going to be Michigan-Wisconsin. Or actually, I guess it was going to be Ohio State-Wisconsin, right? And then uh, Michigan beats Ohio State and Wisconsin loses, so Iowa just kind of backs their way into this thing. Uh, Iowa still has a fantastic defense. And when you look at these two teams, uh, it's going to be a fairly defensive matchup because, yeah, you've got Michigan with the number 20 scoring offense, but both teams are ranked in the top 10 defensively. And... The one area where Iowa's really good defensively when it comes to the stats or yards per play, uh, total scoring, and rushing yards allowed. Michigan just beat Ohio State by having a fantastic run game. So that's going to be more limited in this matchup. Because of that, and with the spread being 10.5 points, I think Iowa and their defense keeps this closer and I'm taking Iowa to cover. Michigan definitely wins this game and goes to the playoff, though. Woo! Woo! Juicy. All right. 57% of the bets right now are on Michigan, which shows you most people are going to be a little bit back and forth on this game. Um, yep. I am with Ben, though. I think 11 is too big of a number. Here's why. A couple of things. First, this is the most major one. Michigan is coming off a super emotional win over Ohio State. It, one of the most crazy games of the year, one of the most emotional games of the year. It's snowing in the big house. Fans were going nuts. Michigan played with nothing to lose. They got their best game of the year. Ben, the energy that team played with, they haven't played with that energy in Michigan and maybe – 10, 12 years. It's been a long time yeah, since you've Michigan play like that, right? So they're going to dial it back this weekend. They're just not going to be able to come up with the same energy. And I don't know as a coach, I feel bad for Jim Harbaugh, how do you keep 85 kids 
how do you keep them stable after a win like that, right? Like, how do you keep them focused on now coming off of that game and now you've got a really big game against a team that is notorious, right, for giving you and other Big Ten teams trouble? Like, Iowa is oftentimes a big pest in the Big Ten, right? Mm -hmm. This is a team, Iowa... That at the start of the year, they were phenomenal. They crushed Indiana. They crushed um, Iowa State. They crushed Maryland. They beat Penn State. They went through a weird stretch where they lost to Purdue and lost to Wisconsin. But then they beat Minnesota, right? Um, I think what you've seen from Iowa is enough to tell you they can keep it within 10 points against Michigan. Now, I'm not going to take them to win either because they did lose to Purdue. Don't ever lose to (laughs) Purdue. The spoiler um, makers. Yeah. And they kept it close with Illinois and they kept it close with Northwestern. So this team is not dominant. I don't know that they're a top 15 program, but they've won a lot of games. They've given Big Ten teams trouble in the past. And I don't think Michigan will have the same energy they had just a week ago. So I'll take Michigan to win it as well. I think it's going to be a low scoring game. I'm going to go 21 17. Wolverines get the win. Very nice. So uh, it's between Oregon and Baylor to see who of us is the champion of championship weekend. There you go. There it is. All right. So that is Moneyline Conference Championship Week. Ben, any closing thoughts? Yeah, man. uh, Look, this season has kind of flown by, but it has been probably one of the best college football seasons that I can remember. Yeah. Just the ups and downs, turnaround. It's been it's been great. And uh been a joy doing this with you. And you know, we got what we wanted. It's it's a different type of matchup in who makes it into the playoff. And uh you know what, couldn't ask for more. So yeah. really, really stoked to see kind of how it plays out. Well, I appreciate you doing it with me, man. You know, it's been um Definitely a fun year. Last year was a really weird year for us to be kind of getting into this, right, and kind of starting something new. And uh, this year it's definitely been more of a normal year. Um, But then, I mean, you're right. There's been so much parity this year and trying to figure out, you know, I mean, at the start of the year we were all convinced Clemson's the second-best team in the country. (laughs) right and then we get three weeks in and we're like shoot i don't know if they're top 25 (laughs) (laughs) they Um, just made it back in yeah and it's just it's been such a bizarre season for so many different reasons and uh you know i think there's a good chance we're going to get a coach to get his first championship this year um it may honestly be Marcus Freeman, the defensive coordinator at Notre Dame, get his first year. I mean, how <laughs> how crazy would that be if the team that wins the championship is the team that also lost their coach right before the playoff? Like, that would just be insane. You um, need to put money on Notre Dame right now. Um, or you man. could just flush it down the toilet and have me punch you in the nuts. Ah, yeah, there there it is. So, all right, Ben didn't come up with that. I did not. That's a quote. No, it, it's a quote. I I, I texted uh, Chris Mason, who used to do a very similar podcast with me back in the day, and told Chris I was thinking about putting $10 on Georgia Tech to beat Georgia. I think I was going to make like – how much did I say? Like a $10 bet was going to give me like 500 bucks or something? 
Yeah, it was like yeah. a... <laughs> Which I'm thinking, all right, I, listen, I'm willing to lose 10 bucks on the off chance that 40 Georgia players get COVID and Georgia Tech finds a way to win by two. Um, but, you know, so anyways, I, I was willing to make the bet, but my cousin came up with that quote. Um, you could make that bet or you could give me $10 and then I'll flush it down the toilet, kick your nuts. Um <laughs> So thank you, Chris Mason. Appreciate that. All right. There's your conference championship week podcast. Y'all have a good night. Moneyline signing off. We'll be back for the college football playoff. Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.